Well, it's Pentecost Sunday, my friends, and uh, I love the power of the Holy Spirit and his work in our life. Uh, This morning as we prayed at 9 o'clock, we pray every Sunday at 9 o'clock. Let me just say it one more time. We pray every Sunday at 9 o'clock. And I think it'd be a great idea if you got your rear end out of bed and came to pray. Just saying, it's a powerful moment, but one of the, one of the things we prayed, the, no, no shade, no shade, but uh, one of the things we prayed this morning is, uh, you know, something that came out of my mouth. I remembered saying, you know, what do people do without the Holy Spirit? How do people navigate? How do people expect to navigate this world without the involvement and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives? Uh, my son graduated high school on Friday. Good job, buddy. Um, But Friday night, he ditched his family. (laughs) And he decided to hang out with some buddies from high school, which, you know, it's not that abnormal for Eli. And uh, while he was there, they got into, he told me this story the other day, they got in a long conversation about the Holy Spirit and about the things of the Lord. And you know, his friends have some, some construct of faith, maybe some theological background, uh, but they, they're not Pentecostal for sure. They don't know. And one of, one of, really one of Eli's very best friends, very best friends, uh, says to him, if this is, talking about the Holy Spirit, if this is such an important thing, to, to, to Christians and the people of God. If this is such a huge deal, why have I never heard of this? And I thought it was almost like a knife to my heart because I, I, I'm thinking, man, of all of Christendom, you know, there's about 77 million uh, assemblies of God believers around the world. If you add in the other Pentecostal denominations, we're not even close to the 2 billion Catholics that are in the world. And I, and I look at that and I go, how do it, does anyone expect to navigate society and culture and the things of this world, the spirit of the age, without the power of the Holy Spirit in their life? And Eli's friend, I believe in coming months may very well meet and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a real similar situation that Paul comes to in the city of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. And it's going to, you know, we're in the book of Acts as our kind of our backdrop series, and we're going to get back to it in a couple of weeks, Uh, but it's going to be like two years before we get to chapter 19, so I can preach this, okay? (laughs) Acts chapter 19 says this, verse 1, when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, and really, it's modern-day Turkey where Paul was able to go, and he goes through the interior of Turkey, kind of up the coast there, and he arrived at Ephesus, major port city of that day. A couple of hundred thousand people lived there. It's a big deal, and when he got there, uh, the reason that, that they mention Apollos is uh, Apollos was uh, the, the, the apostle or the pastor who went to Ephesus and led some people to Jesus, and so Apollos was had been there before, but now he's gone and gone to Corinth. And now Paul comes and he finds some disciples or some remnants of Apollos' ministry in Ephesus. And so he asks them, verse two, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I think Paul's saying a couple things to us uh, in in that question. Number one, he's saying it is a natural occurrence for someone who believes in God to then experience or be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is not the anomaly, it is not the exception, it is the rule, at least in the book of Acts. All the churches in the book of Acts, and really all the churches for a couple of hundred years were Pentecostal churches filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It wasn't until later that the church began to wane away. And let me bring it full circle for you. The dust began to settle on the stones of remembrance. And Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? The second thing I think he's saying is that faith precedes the baptism or the gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith precedes it. And they said this to him. They said, no, just like Eli's buddy Tony We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We don't know what you're talking about. And Paul's like, well, we can fix that right now. And in verse three and four, it says that Paul laid his hands on them and they began to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues and prophesy. I mean, God began to move in a powerful way that day in the city of Ephesus. Since you believed or since your faith was birthed. I think that Paul again is saying it all begins with believing. In fact, I would say most of us here, if not all of us here, are here because we believe in God and in Jesus. We believe there's something to this story. We may not have all the things figured out and we may not understand all the theology and you know, blah, 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 but, but we believe there's something in us of faith that believes in God and believes in Jesus as the Messiah. Now, in reality, some of you, there may be a few folks sitting here, you don't believe at all. Or maybe if you are just kind of exploring that idea of faith and like you nibbling around the edges and seeing what's there. It doesn't matter to me which category in which you fall. I just want you to know he's real and he's ready to receive you. Your faith, your faith in him is what begins everything. Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 20 just before he was crucified, verse 29, he says, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How many of you are blessed that even though you've never seen him face to face, not yet, the day is coming when we will. So it begins with faith. So here, a couple things about faith, three things about faith. These are not the main points. These are just the sub points to the beginning. Okay. Just, just make it clear. A couple of things about faith. Hebrews 11 Verse one, chapter 11, verse one gives us the definition. Now faith is being sure of what we hoped for, sure and certain of what we don't see. So it says this, if you have faith, then the definition is you are sure of what you're hoping for. You have confidence in God's plan and provision for the future. How many of you have confidence in God's plan for your future in this life, but also in the life to come? I mean, I hope you believe God for this life and you trust him for abundant life and you trust God for wonderful things. The Bible says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In fact, it says kind of ignore the way that you think because your thinking is finite. Trust in him with all your heart. Don't lean in your understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. Well, that's very much talking about our walk with God in this life. But how many of you know there's a life in eternity that we should be striving towards? There's an eternal life. Look, if all it is is to give us good life in this world for our 75 or 80 or 90 years, I'm not too excited. But when you look at eternity, 
When you look at how God is preparing a place for us, we can have confidence in the eternity of God. Not this temporal life, but the life that God will provide. So the beginning of faith is believing God, not only for this life, but for the life to come. Then the author of Hebrews says this. He says, it's not only uh, confidence or hope in, in being sure of what we're hoping for, but it is being certain of what we cannot see things that we cannot see. It's an expectation that God will fulfill all he has promised, though we haven't experienced that fulfillment yet. It's an expectation. It's a desire. It's a hope. I love this at the end of chapter 11 in Hebrews. He says all these people talking about the, the liter, you know, just no, a number of people that the author names who lived by faith. And it says when they died, they did not receive the things promised. I think about Amy Carmichael. I think about Helda Buntain. I think about some of the great missionaries and preachers in the history of our movement and other movements, and I think about those people who labored and toiled but went to their grave not seeing all the things that they dreamed of, not seeing all the great things that God had promised them. It's kind of the natural way of faith. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Why does God do it that way? He says this, he says, look, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. And he says only with our, when our faith combines with those that have gone before us, do we have something. It's not that we have the corner on the market of faith. He says, look, when, when their faith, because of what they did, God knew it was only their faith, and I'll just bring it this way, their toil and their labor. Look, God is fulfilling a call through Amy Carmichael, through this missionary. She didn't see this. She didn't know this missionary to India would be reaching France. It was something she saw in the distance and welcomed it, but she didn't see it in the reality of it. It's only by combining her faith with your faith that that comes to reality. Does that make sense? And I just think, man, the prayers of faith prayed over you and your life that you know nothing of. The prayers of faith that you're praying in your life right now that your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and who knows how many, gener hopefully not very many generations because I'd like Jesus to come back, but if he doesn't, those prayers that your great-grandchildren will live that they'll never know you prayed. That's faith. It's an expectation of God fulfilling these things. The third thing about faith is found in verse six. Of Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I think, and I just want to bring this like, I'm going to punch us in the face real quick, okay? If we really believe that God rewarded those who earnestly sought him, we'd seek him a lot more than we do. Oh. It's sort of like, put your money where your mouth is. If you want the blessing of God, if you want the favor of God in your life, you want God to go before you, the Bible says the way that that reward comes is by earnestly seeking his face. And I would just challenge you, 
Because so often we're seeking all the other things in life. We're seeking all the other things that this world offers us and we're running around, sometimes chasing our tail, sometimes living the rat race, whatever, but we're running after all these things and the Lord's like, look, if you seek me first, if you seek me first, I'll take care of all those things. It's the reward of faith. It's the power of faith in us when we realize he rewards us. The problem with the people of Ephesus is not that they didn't have faith to receive. The people at Ephesus didn't know what was available to them. They didn't know the great things that God had in store for them. They weren't aware, and so they had no way of living that out in their lives. So let me ask you, since you believed, since you believed in God, whenever that was, years ago, last Sunday, whenever it was that that genesis of faith began in you, have you received all the things that God has planned for you? Have you put yourself in a position to receive from God the blessing and the favor and the anointing and the power that God has for you through the Holy Spirit? Have you received it all? Have you asked him? So three things, three things I think that we receive from God. The first one, I'm going to move quickly through these. We have a lot more to do today. Number one, believing for life. Believing for life. The Bible says in him was life and that life was the light of men. Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundant. He said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the gift of life. Not life for this world, but life that will be eternal. God brings salvation to the masses. He brings life to people because God knew that the only way to truly give life was to cleanse us of our sin and make us alive in him. Paul writes in Romans that we were dead. Romans 6, we were slaves to sin and we were dead in our trespasses and sin because the wages of sin is death. You want to mess around with sin? You want to dabble in sin and push aside your faith? My friend, it leads to death. And not just death in this life, though I think that's true, but death in the life to come, which is much more tragic. He's a life giver. Are you believing him for life? Maybe you look at your life and you feel overwhelmed by death and overwhelmed by brokenness and overwhelmed by cycles, the generational cycles of brokenness or difficulty or you know, fill in the blank, whatever you want. And you're like, this isn't the life I wanted. I just want you to know if you'll believe him for life, if you believe him for life, if you put all your hopes in him, if you put all your dreams in him, if you'll sacrifice or put those things at the foot of the cross, he will deposit life in you and life abundant. Do you believe him for life? Second, do you believe him for freedom or for transformation? Galatians chapter five, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let me tell you one of the things that I struggle with. Even in my own life, I struggle with the reality of being alive in Christ, but yet a slave. I struggle with Christians who are alive in God, but yet slaves to the things that have mastered them. Peter writes this in 2 Peter 2, a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So let me ask, have you tried to quit and can't? Have you vowed to the Lord, this is the last time trying to cut a deal with God? 
Have you just accepted, though, in some avenues of sin or some uh, pathways that your life is on, this is just the way it is, and there's no way out, there's no way forward, there's nothing else God has for me. And in those moments, my friend, what happens to our faith is it dies just a little. Every time we say to the Lord, God, I just can't overcome this thing in my life, a little bit of our faith dies. Every time we say, God, I know you love me, but why won't you help me be free of this addiction? A little bit of our faith dies. Every time that we come to this place where we're sick and tired of being slaves, but yet we compromise again, a little bit of our faith dies. And so many of us are slaves not because of the devil, not because certainly of God. We are slaves of, to, to the things we have chosen. But the word of the Lord is this. The chains are made of paper and the locks are those of plastic toy handcuffs. The reality is this, with Christ, you can break free at any moment and fully embrace the transformational power of the gospel, or you can stay in slavery. If you want to be free, if you want to be transformed, I, I remind you of Paul's words. It is for freedom that he set you free. It is because of Christ that you are free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself be subject again to slavery. What does that mean? It's not an act of God. It's not a supernatural thing. It's a decision of the will. It's a decision of our heart. It's a decision of our soul that I will have faith. I will have faith to please God. I will look at those things that I don't see on the outside and call them as though they were. That's faith. To be transformed, you must fully reject your slavery, whatever it is, whatever that you've battled. Oh, and the enemy's awesome. Let me just tell you why. Not in a good way. He's awesome like, you know. Let me tell you why the enemy's awesome. Because he'll tell you things like this. Well, you're not a sinner. I mean, you, you know, maybe what you're enslaved to has nothing to do with sin. Maybe you're enslaved to religion. Maybe you're enslaved to chasing your own ambition. Maybe you're enslaved to running after the things that you want and not yielding your life to God. And you've decided God is okay with it. He's cool if you run after your, yourself a little bit. And then on Sundays, you can run after the Lord. But the rest of the week is yours. Isn't the enemy great to trick us? Because it's not sin. Because it's not egregious. Because it's not something that our society or the church says is, you know, really wicked and whatever. And you need to, you know, whatever. It's not an obvious thing like that. It's something in our soul. And he tells us it's okay because it's not, it's not really a sin. I just want you to know, if you're a slave to anything but Christ, if you're a slave to anything but Christ, 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 it must be brought to the cross and laid down. If you're a slave to your culture, if you're a slave to your ideology, if you're a slave to your political statements, if you're a slave to whatever, 
it must be yielded to the cross. Amen, pastor. That's good preaching. Thank you for saying that. We appreciate that very much. How do I know? Because I've been there. I've been there. I've chased my own stuff. I've went after my own ambition. I've allowed my own desires to be popular, to be important, or blah, 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 to get in the way of the cross. And I've covered the cross over with those things. And I've said, I'm a Christian and I love God. And because I wasn't out, you know, running around on my wife or because I wasn't addicted to pornography or I wasn't an alcoholic or I wasn't whatever, fill in the blank. I was good. But if I'm a slave to anything but Jesus, it's got to come to the cross. It's got to come to the cross. Believe him for transformation. He'll transform your life. I know some of you don't like what I just said. It's okay. I love you anyway. I believe God for life, but I believe that life comes through the transformational power of God. We don't really have life until we've been transformed. Lastly, and this is what Paul's talking about in Ephesus. Have you heard, the, uh, have you received the Holy Spirit? And he says, no, we don't know that there was a Holy Spirit. I just want you all to know, everybody in this room, everybody watching online, you don't have the same excuse as the church in Ephesus. You absolutely know that there's a Holy Spirit and he's available to you. Why? Because I've been telling you for months. And probably the guy before me was telling you for years. And the guy before that was telling you for a lot of years. You've known we can't plead ignorance of the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't say, I didn't know that God wanted me to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have this additional power for life. It's power for abundant life. It's power to love and serve others. It's power to grow towards God and maturity. It's power to maintain the freedom and the transformation that he's given you. It's power to fulfill your calling and God's purpose in your life, whether it's here in Greater Lafayette or in the nation of France or China or Indonesia or Italy or anywhere else in the world. It's the power to minister to those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. If you think you can live this life without the power of the Holy Spirit, I have this wonderful, loving thing to say to you. Good luck. Good luck. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is the gift of God to the people of God so we can live in power and transformed lives. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will radically change your life. We've got to believe God for that empowerment in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, Jesus got up on the, uh, in the temple and he said, or the synagogue and said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. How does the spirit of the Lord anoint you? He's anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. He sent you to proclaim freedom to those that are in bondage and recovery of sight to the blind, to literally heal people who are broken in body, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the favor of the Lord. Can I just say Never before in the, in the culture of America have we needed anointed men, women, and young people to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to those that are in bondage to all kinds of things, to, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to, to give recovery of sight to the blind, and to release the oppressed. Never before has this world or this church or this area or this nation needed anointed men and women of God full of the Holy Spirit to preach anointed the words of God. Never before. So what about you? 
Don't you want to take your life, your spiritual life, the power of God in your life to the next level? Don't you want to see God do the things in you? Going back to Hebrews chapter 1, believing in those things that you hope for and being certain of what you've never seen in your life. Don't you want the anointing of God on your life that when you pray for your children, when you pray for your grandchildren, when you will lay hands on somebody at work or somebody at Walmart, I don't care, somebody on Main Street, that they will be healed and transformed. Don't you want the power of God in your life? I tell you, I don't want to live any other way. So what do you do to believe? For life, for freedom and transformation, for the power of the Holy Spirit. One, believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. If you're not saved, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord, this is the moment. This morning is the moment to not only receive salvation, but I believe be baptized in water. Number two, believe God is a transformational, life-giving God. Do you believe that God will transform? Do you believe that those places in your life where you've said, God, I just can't stop, or God, if you'll help me this one time, or maybe I'll sin right now and repent. Man, do you, are, are you tired? Those of you that struggle with that, are you tired of living like that? Do you believe that he can transform you. Do, do you believe, number three, believing that God is already working in you? I just want you to know the Holy Spirit is active in your life right now. He is prompting you. He is pricky. Just like on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And if you feel that little bit of uncomfortableness in your spirit right now, if the Holy Spirit's whispering something to you right now, that's the Holy Spirit telling you, this is for you. This is for you. I don't care if you've been a founding member of this church or if today's your first Sunday. This is for you. Believing in God that he's already working. And lastly, you've got to open the door. You've got to open the door. You've got to open the door. Revelation says he stands at the door and knocks and anyone who opens the door and invites him in, he will come in and be with you. But here's the truth about God, and here's the truth about this whole thing. God will never make you be saved. God will never make you be free. God will never make you be delivered. He'll never make you be transformed. He'll never make you be healed. He'll never make you filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a gift he wants to give you. It's an opportunity that you have, but you have to open the door. In Acts 19, it worked, and those people got filled with the Holy Spirit. And a thriving church began to be birthed in the city of Ephesus. Later in Paul's life, go ahead and start playing, guys, if you want. Later in Paul's life, he wrote a great letter to the church at Ephesus, all about the body of Christ and how to serve the Lord together. And he said this, because some of you are thinking to yourself, I'm beyond it. I'm beyond what God can do. I, I, I'm too far gone. Some of you young people already in your young life are thinking I'm beyond what God can do in me. I've prayed before, Pastor Jeff. I've gone to the altar before, Pastor Jeff. I've done this. I've done X, Y, and Z. I'm just beyond it now. No, no, no. The enemy's lying to your heart. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess 
or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing you around, and that's that. He'll never force, force it on you. He'll never force salvation and transformation on your life. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, the Spirit of God, deeply and gently within us. I believe strongly in my heart and my soul right now there are people in this room who desperately need transformation. Some of you, your minds have been poisoned by the things of this world. You've compromised even your own belief in God because your minds have been poisoned by our culture. And I'll say it this way, the hogwash it peddles. Some of you have struggled in faith because God hasn't shown up the way you thought he would. He hasn't manifested in your life. You prayed the prayer, you did the thing, and you haven't seen the work and the activity of God yet in your life. What if today was a different day? I'm gonna ask Steve Miller to come. Met with Steve on Thursday morning really early. I got it up here. With the word of the Lord that I think is for this moment. I want you to hear. So last week when uh, Pastor Jeff had the older call and people were coming forward, I saw a vision. I saw somebody, and I'm going to do this so you see it. I saw somebody sitting on a mountain path like this, rocking back and forth, just crying, crying out to the Lord. And they... uh, It was a narrow mountain path. They'd gotten off the main path, the main path representing our Christian walk. It's full of hills and valleys and streams and things we go through. And so I I saw them, they've gotten off on their own way. You have gotten off. This This is to one person in particular, but more than one, I'll tell you that now. So you've gotten off the main path, you went your own way, and, uh, and you've gotten isolated, you feel lonely. And I, I say, I didn't see their face. I didn't see your face, because if I saw your face, I would come and speak to you one-on-one, as some people here know that I've done that. I've come and talked to you. So I didn't see a gender, and I didn't see a face. And so you're originally on this path, and now you're, you're feeling all isolated, you feel alone. And how many know, if you've been in the mountains, when it gets dark, it gets cold. And you're in a very dark place. You're very, it's a very cold place to be when nobody's around. And so I don't know in particular what you've been involved with. Maybe, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe you cheated on your spouse, but I know that you're in a very dark and a very cold place. You're crying, you're wounded, you're isolated, you were lame, you couldn't walk. That's why you were on your knees praying. You had no place to go or you felt that way. And I believe that you've even had suicidal thoughts. You thought, this is it, I'm done, I'm finished, nobody's here, I'm isolated. And I want you to know that God's not done with you. You felt like that you committed the unpardonable sin. Well, I'll tell you, you did not commit the unpardonable sin. Number one, you still care. Number two, God, by the Holy Spirit, wouldn't have revealed this 
if he didn't love you and didn't care for you. And so, if you're, and this is to the congregation in general, if you're willing to, to, to come beside somebody and pray with somebody and hold them up and see them restored, I want you to raise your hand and hold it up for a second. And so I want you, everybody to look around and see all the hands up and know that you're not alone. There are people here that will come along beside you You know, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple through the gate beautiful, and there was a, a lame man that his friends brought him there every single day, and he was begging for alms. And they came to him, and they said, uh, Peter said, and John, he said, look, and he said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. The Greek says he was excited. He, was, he thought he was going to get some some money to be able to take care of himself. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you. And, and Peter reached down with his right hand and it says that he pulled him up to his feet and his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Listen, there are people here that will reach down with their right hand and pull you up and walk beside you. Today is the day of your salvation. When that, when that lame man came in, I'm getting a dry mouth, excuse me, but when he came in, listen, he never thought in a million years he was going to be restored. He never thought in a million years he was going to walk. He'd been lame since his birth. But guess what? God reached down and he restored him. He pulled him up with his mighty right hand and he's ready to do that for you today. Do not give up hope. Today is not the last day. You, I think somebody here said, this is the last day. I'm done. Not going to church anymore. I'm too far gone. You are not too far gone. That's right. Jesus loves you. That's right. That's right. Would you to bow your heads and close your eyes, please. We're going to move to baptisms in just a moment, but I don't want to move on from this moment. If you're here today, and you'd say, Pastor Jeff, I need transformed. I need transformed. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that that transformation can take root in my life. I need to be different. I need to grow. I need to advance. Or maybe you're here and you're the one Steve is talking to. And what you need today is the power of the Holy Spirit to break every chain, destroy every plan of the enemy, and do a great mighty work in your life. If you're here today and you're like that, you need transformed by the power of God all over this room. Would you slip your hand up? I could see it and I'll acknowledge it. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, you need transformed by the Lord. Others, thank you. Others, thank you. I'm going to wait just a moment. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Thank you. Others, others across our balcony, anyone need to be transformed by God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, you see not only the hands that are raised, but the hearts. You see what's in us, God, and you know 
the plans that you have for us are wonderful, plans for a future and a hope. So Lord, those here have raised their hand, they need transformed by your power and by your grace. They can't keep the path that they're on. They need transformation. They need the Holy Spirit. I pray in just a moment as the invitation is given to come, they would have courage and they would come. In Jesus' name, I invite everyone to stand with me and here's what I wanna do. I wanna ask our prayer team this morning, if you were on assignment this morning, would you please kinda go over here to my left and just kinda be available right now? We have prayer every Sunday available to anybody, but this is the right moment. I want you folks to be ready to pray prayers of transformation in people's lives. If you raised your hand to be transformed, would you come? Would you slip out of your seat and make your way to this side of the room and allow one of these brothers and sisters to pray with you? Would you come right now? Come on, you raised your hand. Don't go home the same way you came in. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Come on, my friends. Would you come and allow God to change your life? Please don't stay in your seat. Please don't stay in your seat and hope that somehow by osmosis this thing is going to happen. Please come and allow the Lord to birth faith and transformation in your life. Come now. Come on, can we give praise to the Lord for those with the guts to come? Come on, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. It's a strong tower. We can run to his name and be safe. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Come on. Come on, still waiting on a few. I'm gonna wait on you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you're able, that you're willing. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you're the person that Steve was talking to, God interrupted this whole service for you. I told Steve on Thursday when we met, God will interrupt an entire service for one person. Come on, I'm waiting on you. If you've, you haven't come, I, please come. I don't want you to stay in slavery. I don't want you to stay in bondage. I want you to be transformed. The Holy Spirit wants you to be transformed. Thank you, Lord. Satan, I bind every power of darkness and every lie that you would tell and whisper into their ear. You've told them they can stay in their chair and pray. They don't really need to go and let someone else undergird them and strengthen them, but that's a lie. Lord, I pray that you would draw them and I bind every lying spirit in Jesus' name. I curse every spirit of darkness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.